Ari Rosenbaum here with another fun-filled episode of the 4K Podcast. This week's topic uh, is going to be really close and near and dear to me, which is how do we increase 401k event attendance, some of the things that I've gone through and issues and whatnot, and some ideas and my experiences. And of course, talking about live events, uh, go to that 4K site. Dot com for further information on our virtual event, January 26th to 27th, $2 and change to be a part of. Uh, we will also have live events in Oakland, Detroit, and pretty soon we will schedule the one in uh, Arlington, Texas, uh, as well as hopefully trying to book one for uh, June uh, in Nueva York, um, hopefully. We'll see how that transpires. Um, and... Um, Speaking of um, events, <laughs> let's get to the topic at hand. And 401k event attendance, obviously near dear to me. We've had you know 20 or so uh, 401k, um, uh, you know that 401k conferences, and we did one uh, planned sponsor event in in St. Petersburg, Florida, about three years ago. Wish we could do that again, but. Um, Obviously, with live attendance, um, you know, COVID, uh, just had a discussion with uh, my uh, former rabbi, uh, he was the rabbi at the synagogue that I was the vice president of, which we'll discuss later, and uh, he was telling me that um, he's been doing a lot of funerals, and the local uh, Jewish funeral home, obviously, um, Gutterman's was saying how there's an increase in COVID deaths, but we don't know about this. There are people who talk about it. It's not, it's not the news, but you know, obviously COVID has had an impact on live events. I mean, you know, it uh, pales into comparison of, uh, loved ones, uh, people, you know, passing away from it or having debilitating, um, long COVID and whatnot. And, um, COVID is still here, um, and again, I, I think people are still dying every day. You just don't hear much about it. It's not as prevalent or newsworthy since um, March and April 2020. But, you know, I, I think I've had five shots. If you count the first two, there's two different shots. Um, it's still an issue, and I think that five years from now, it will still be an issue in the terms of the idea that um, a good part of the attendance, a good part of the audience for 401k events will never come back. That's my belief that if even if COVID ended tomorrow, um, you're not going to get uh, that, you know, a good chunk of that attendance back. Uh, that's just my, um, you know, just my idea. Uh, you know, I don't think it's, you know, I think that in the future and now, I don't think people are going because of, of a fear of an airborne virus. I think it's just that people are just getting rid of non-essential travel. Um, you know, people still like working from home, you know, and that, that always makes me laugh. Uh, my wife works from home three days a week and she can get a lot of stuff done, but the technology's there and... 20 years ago or 20 some odd plus years ago when we didn't have interface with our work computers at work and we couldn't have access to emails I never understood how people in my office would be able to work from home two days a week 
Uh, I just I just thought that was silly. But you know, obviously these days, um, most things what you could do at home, uh, you know, it's it's uh, uh, it, it's certainly a situation. Um, you know, people are you know working from home. They're upset that their employers, a lot of the you know New York City, that the requiring people to come back and whatnot. But uh, I think that uh, I think what price I, I think what um, you know the situation is um, uh, I, I think the situation is is that in the 401k industry um, people don't you know and again really virtual events Zoom works so you know for example. Uh, the old days uh, when you had enrollment meetings uh, and uh, a guy like my good friend Rich Larita would travel around the country, you know, traveling ever since September 11th takes a lot of time. And even before September 11th, you know, traveling uh, by airplane was never easy. There's so much downtime. Even, you know, when I would go Fakakta, Myerswaz, English and Klein, when I'd have to go to a client meeting in Albany, you're, you're on the train and that takes a couple hours and whatnot. And there's so much downtime with travel, virtual events, uh, virtual enrollment meetings, virtual education meetings allow um, plant providers to make better use of their time. So instead of going to one client meeting you know, in Cleveland and spending the whole day in Cleveland, a plant provider can have six to eight enrollment meetings virtually and be around the country virtually. So I think that, um, you know, no matter what we do with, you know, exciting events, I still think that uh, people will want um, to sit at home. They just don't want to travel. They just, if I don't need to, I, I, I don't have to. And I just think that there's a segment of that population that is never going to come back to live events. I don't know how much percentage it's going to be. I don't I don't think it's 25%, but maybe 10, 15%. It's just never going to come back. That's just my my feeling. I could be, you know, completely wrong. I remember as a kid, my father said, uh, you know, construction business, uh, the 1980s, you'll never have anything like it because in those days, in the 1980s, um, you had the Cold War, so people were investing in the United States, a lot of European money. Uh, Japanese money was, was investing in the United States because of fear of communism, put their money safely and whatnot. And of course, most things my father said were not really true. Uh, the boom, boom 90s uh, showed a lot of construction. And even today, if you go to New York City, I mean, I was recently, where was I recently? I was recently in Brooklyn and I was recently in Queens, and I was just in the Bronx. I was in the Bronx on Saturday coming back from an autograph show in Tarrytown, where I saw Mike Richter and Steve Larmer and Jack Clark. I was, you know, flabbergasted how much construction there was in the South Bronx. And, you know, you're growing up as a kid, the South Bronx was known as being burnt out, and the New York City would actually paint windows they would like put like wallpaper windows on these burnt out buildings to give the appearance that people were there except they looked really kind of fake but again i think uh, again the segment population isn't going to come back and again i could be wrong like my father was wrong for most things um 
I think uh, in terms of live events, you can certainly try to break it up with virtual ones. When COVID broke up uh, my plans for 2020 and 2020, we were, we were going to go to, uh, we had three that we had scheduled. We were going to go to St. Louis, uh, Houston, Minnesota. I forgot which order. I think St. Louis was going to be first. And, you know, the 2020 events went bye-bye and we didn't start 2021 live events until September of 2021. So, um, you know, I decided uh, then and there back in late March that since this wasn't really going to happen because there were not going to be any baseball games and it just didn't look like we were going to bring back any live crowds, I decided to do a virtual event in April 2020. We had more than 300 uh, attendees, uh, you know, easily topping the attendance I had at any live event. And obviously, when I went to a, a, a monthly virtual event format, um, obviously, you, you go to the well once too often. And, you know, by the end, I, I think we might have done 10 of these events or whatnot. We were down to, you know, 30, 40 people. But, uh, you know, I, I think one way to offer up live events is to break it up and offer virtual events as well. Um, Zoom subscriptions, you know, my room, you know, you could bring in as many as 500 people for a, a webinar and it's 150 bucks a month, nothing terrible. I think people like virtual events. Again, travel time, there isn't any. You could sit at home, watch it. Uh, again, free commercial for that natural virtual, national virtual event, uh, $2.33 to be a part of it. Um, if you can't be a part of it, you know, you got to miss, uh, there'll be a, a YouTube feed eventually. And uh, it's a great thing to do. Uh, again, it's it's a great idea to break it up. I'm using the national virtual event to try to sell attendance to the live events, you know, the live experience. Um, you know, and again, virtual events are great for me because I don't have to deal with the caterer. I don't have to deal with travel issues. There's always my fear of traveling the night before uh, an event is that, you know, my, my flight would get canceled. That hasn't uh, happened, even though there were some events. I think Phoenix, I, I arrived late uh, one night, uh, and you always fear that cancellation. But uh, again, um, I don't have to pay a rental for the room. Uh, I don't have to pay the caterer. I uh, don't have to pay for the stadium tour and the athlete appearance. So again, I'm just doing that um, and, you know, be a part of it two days, four to five hours each day. It's a, it's a lot of fun. Sponsorships, if you want to be a part of it, it's half the price of a live event. Uh, guaranteed we have, we'll have a bigger attendance than our live events, so it's a, a better deal and whatnot. Um, and again, we will have better attendance at this virtual event than a live event. You know, again, the price is two dollars and twenty-three cents. But more importantly, people aren't schnurrers. They aren't, you know, Patricia aren't cheapskate. It's not about the hundred bucks. It's really about the time and the idea that you know they could watch a live event while they're working, or they could you know watch whatever they can and watch the rest on YouTube. Uh, I love live events. I will continue doing them as long as they remain somewhat uh, not profitable, but somewhere where I don't lose my shirt. And, uh, you know, we'll do 
again, we're not doing like we did. In, I don't think we'll ever do nine events that we did in 2019. I think that was very aggressive, and that was a pre-COVID world. Uh, you do four or five events, that's more than enough. And, of course, uh, it's all about my chase to 30 MLB ballparks. And right now we're 24, and we'll get close to 30 uh, this year, hopefully. But, um, you know, I, I just think that uh, it's a great way to break things up. Next on my list, uh, it's I think it's important to make it unique. Um, had the had the uh, had that 4K conference come about, um, I, it came about because I was at a huge national event, and uh, don't need to say who, but uh, a friend of mine working for a fun company, no longer working at the fun company anymore. But anyway, um, he was telling me his booth at the room was like a hundred thousand dollars and uh the people i was with that time they took out a booth and their little tiny nothing table was like 10 grand and since i wasn't getting invited to speak at national events anymore you know i, I kind of jokingly said uh, you know they invite the same three erisa attorneys so i decided to you know come up with my own events um i Approached the idea between, uh, with two providers, one a TPA out in New York and another one who uh, was, again, um, DCIO for a fund company. And they were the first uh, plan providers to say that they were interested. And, um, you know, in, in terms of hosting my event, I, I wanted something unique. Um, there's nothing worse, in my opinion, and there's nothing more... Un I don't know, but, you know, when we have, like, continually good education requirements in New York for attorneys, when they say we're going to have the event at the local restaurant or um, local hotel, it, it's I don't find it interesting. I wanted to make my conference memorable, that people could say, you know what, I went to this 401k event, it was at City Field, and I met Dwight Gooden, and I did a stadium tour, and I learned a lot, and I met some people, and I'm never going to forget that. Um, I, when you speak at a local Italian restaurant or when you speak at a local Marriott or you, it just, there was nothing unique about it. There was nothing memorable. If you're eating at a restaurant, if I'm sorry, if you're eating at a hotel food, um, hotel catering, you've had rubber chicken at one place, you've had rubber chicken at the mall. There's nothing memorable but the food. Uh, even with my food at the, that 401k uh, conference, I, I try, I either go for ballpark food or something unique and local. I remember, you know, Kansas City, I had to go for the brisket. I don't think I remember eating, actually, I think I, maybe I did eat the brisket, I don't know. But I always try something unique and memorable and whatnot. So even the time we did have the, that 401k conference at a hotel, New York, New York Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas, you know, try to do something interesting with the food, um, you know, Vegas, I thought, would have been a bigger sell than it was, but you know, it is what it is. And again, like I said, COVID is such a big part of our, um, you know, such a big effect on what we do. And again, so with the MLB ballparks, um, you know, we did the City Field event in June of 2018. Uh, yeah, 2018. Um, we didn't do it in, in conjunction with a ball game because in those days I don't even know now but City Field you couldn't have the event the same day as a ball game uh, we added the ball game feature to Chicago when you know I charged extra for it and then after that 
you know, I buy a bunch of tickets and, you know, whoever wants to go can go. And I, I, I put that as part of the $100 uh, fee to attend. Um, Arlington, Texas, I know is going to be a problem because they don't allow you to have the event the same day. So whoever wants to come out to, it's probably going to be a Sunday game. Whoever wants to come out can come out, but, uh, should be interesting for that. But again, I think making events unique is a, is a big, uh, drawing, um, point. Uh, I'm not saying that you need to replicate what that 4K conference is doing by having it at a ballpark. I, I have seen other people do it and I had a buddy of mine says, they're stealing your idea. And I'm like, I'm not the first person to have an industry event at a ballpark. So um, I, I know somebody did it at a couple of ballparks in, in Cleveland and Pittsburgh, uh, but you know, it's not the, <laughs> I, I don't own the exclusive right to it. But again, something unique, and, and, and again, going back to the synagogue discussion, uh, when I was vice president of the synagogue, and I, I talked about repeatedly how it was such a pain in the rear end to be a part of it, and I'll tell you why a little bit later in the broadcast, but uh, the funny thing about, um, the funny thing about synagogue events was they would do the same Fakakta events and, um, you know, nonsensical uh, dinner journal night where you pay a couple hundred bucks or 500 bucks to get an ad in a journal and they give you the food from the caterer and there's dancing, there's music. I think I've never, I've never been to a journal dance. The one time I, I, I put out an ad for the journal, um, I had the tickets to the event and I for go I forewent it to uh go to the uh Mets Cubs National League Championship Series in 2015. But again, they would do a journal dance at the synagogue, they would do a casino night. It was always the same events, a goods and services auction. So I did a comedy night at Sal Stockbroker. How did I do that? Sal Stockbroker um worked with a buddy of mine who was a member of the synagogue, and that's Doug Goodstein. So we had it. We had great attendance. Uh, more importantly, 85% of the audience wasn't synagogue members. And I always say um, money from non-synagogue members is better than synagogue members' money because synagogue members have already been paying money as part of their dues. It's nice to get somebody else's money for a change. And we had a great event. I, I still regret only charging $40 a ticket when I could have charged 50 but I listened to the wrong people, which we'll discuss again later. Next, give a continuing education credit. That could be a boon. It's increasing live attendance, whether it's for attorneys, accountants, financial advisors, or HR professionals, free CLE, um, go a long way. Some awarding of continuing education credits may get people more interested in attending since they need CE to keep their uh, you know, license and whatnot. Next, in talks, talk, talking about increasing attendance, uh, I know a lot of people like to give away events for free. Um, you know, I understand offering it free, but for free live events, I have a problem with it. It goes back to the time when I, I used to speak at these, uh, 4K regional events and they would have, um, you know, they'd have the event, uh, capacity was 75. So 75 advisors would show up for a, a nice meal and, you know, four or five hours of content. And then, um... Since they didn't have to pay, there was a good percentage no-show. And so that's why that 401k conferences charges 100 bucks a head. 
uh, just to guarantee that people will show up. It's the same thing with the National Virtual. Why am I charging $2.23? Because I want skin in the game. People have skin in the game. They will show up. Um, you know, $2.23 is probably too low of a number, and people may no-show. But it gives them, you know, again, I, I can have that people did sign up for the event, and they did put money down, and I think when you put money down, it increases the likelihood that people will attend. And I've had situations, ugh, I mean, it drives me nuts, but uh, uh, Miami, I had an advisor, and he wanted to invite two people. And he was, you know, the problem sometimes you do favors for people, and they're just ball busters when you do that for people. So I said, okay, bring your person, your somebody in your office, and I'll just charge you a hundred bucks. And then, of course, two days before the event, he cancels. And if you ever look at my website, there is no cancellation. You know, you, you snooze, you lose. And uh, he's like emailing me about the cancellation policy, which there wasn't any. And he kept on following up with me weeks and weeks and weeks to get his hundred. When by refunding process, and I said, you know, the point was there was no refund policy. Um, the reason we charge the fee is because to guarantee your attendance, you didn't attend. But, you know, he, the guy was such a pain in the rear end as an advisor. I just gave him the $100 just because I didn't want to hear his, you know, complaining. But, you know, again, my, my feeling is, again, if you give something away from for free, nobody has any value for it. And, you know, an advisor who, you know, or any other plan provider has an event for free and there's the opportunity that to make some business or a client need, you know, is there, they're just going to cancel your event because it was free and there was no, you know, no loss for them not to attend. And that's, uh, that's, uh, that's what I, what I see, you know, and, and that's just, you know, how I see things. Um, Sorry for the stop there. I just got a call from Larry, and we're talking about the event that we want to have in New York, and we'll get to our guys in January, and hopefully we could have an event in June. But last but not least, um, you know, again, uh, Larry is good, did, talks about what uh, we were discussing with Larry, but, um, you know, Larry says, okay, I'm going to talk to the guys at the venue in January. And I said, okay, I need that time. I, I can't, I can't if I want to schedule an event in June, I can't do it in, in March or April. I have to have that discussion as soon as I can. And the reason is for, I believe that you have to promote events months and months in advance. I mean, if you go to that foreigncase.com, you can sign up for Oakland's. Pretty soon you'll be able to sign up for Detroit, uh, Motor City. And um, I like to give people months and months of promotion so you know they could save the date if they want to come, let them know ahead of time. And... Um, I just I reached I reached out to an advisor who for the longest time wanted an Oakland event and I, I let her know about the Oakland event and she says oh I already have the date uh, covered I think she was going on vacation so these are the breaks but um, I like to you know do it months and months in advance I remember when I did the South Stockbroker event I booked it three four months in advance and promoted it for two three months uh, got the the tenants I really wanted and. Uh, it always annoyed me. Uh, so when I was the synagogue vice president, I ran two fundraisers, and I wasn't the fundraising chairperson. I did everything my own. The fundraising chairperson was uh, 
you know, friendly guy and all that, but he was a moron in the sense that uh, he would schedule events and then he would only promote it within, within three weeks to go. So if he was doing his goods and services auction, he only let people know three weeks in advance. And, and people are busy and people, you know, have family outings and they have plans and, um, you know, by him uh, waiting and waiting and waiting, uh, promotion was just was just terrible. So it just didn't work out. So I need months to m promote. Uh, I think that you need months to promote it and get, you know, people to RSVP events, um, you know, mail flyers, mail, whatever you do to contact people. I like email, contact, um, you know, weekly reminders and get people interested and involved. So uh, we uh, hope uh, that you enjoyed this episode of that 4K podcast. Uh, please uh, tune in for next week's episode. And of course, like I said, sign up for our events and the national events coming in a couple months. So hope all is well with you. Take care. Bye.